The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Wednesday, September 28th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Evacuations are underway and theme parks are shutting their doors as Hurricane Ian aims at Florida. Global stocks are heading for the lowest level in almost two years. Ten-year Treasury yields breach 4%. And the dollar rises after the White House talks down the prospect of a currency agreement. Mixed reaction to the so-called tent city for migrants in the Bronx. Plus, Ukrainian President Zelensky dismisses the Kremlin run referendum as a farce. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stash. Edwards Woods. The Yankees won in Toronto and clinched the AL East. The Mets lost and are now tied for first with Atlanta. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business App. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning. We are coming up to 601 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down 46 points, Dow futures down 296, and NASDAQ futures down 190. Ten-year Treasury down 15, 30 seconds, yield 4%, and the yield on the two-year, 4.23%. Nathan. Karen, we'll have much more on the market turmoil in just a minute, but first we want to bring you up to speed on Hurricane Ian, now a dangerous category. Category 4 storm with top winds at 140 miles an hour, taking aim at Florida's Gulf Coast. Bloomberg meteorologist Rob Carolyn joins us now with the latest on the track of the storm. Good morning, Rob. Nathan and Karen, Hurricane Ian continues to move north-northeast at around 10 miles an hour this morning. It is a dangerous hurricane. The wind's in excess of 120 miles an hour. We were seeing wind gusts over 60 miles an hour earlier this morning in Key West. The storm will make landfall later today somewhere north of Fort Myers to as far north as Tampa, and then it will start to move inland. We're expecting the hurricane-force winds to extend out at least 45 miles from the center of circulation, so there's going to be a lot of damage across that portion of West Florida between uh, Fort Myers and the Tampa area. Storm surge is probably going to be in excess of 10 feet. We'll see wind gusts over 125 miles an hour. And along the path of the storm, anywhere from 5 to 10 inches of rain is likely to fall over the course of the next 24 to 48 hours. Nathan and Karen? All right, Rob, thank you. Of course, we'll be checking in with Bloomberg meteorologist Rob Carolyn throughout the morning. Well, ahead of the storm, Disney, SeaWorld, and Universal Orlando have shut their Florida theme parks through at least tomorrow. Tampa's main airport closed up yesterday. Orlando plans to do the same later this morning. Governor Ron DeSantis says about 2.5 million Floridians need to get out of harm's way. If you are in an evacuation zone, particularly in those southwest Florida counties, uh, you know, your time to evacuate is coming to an end. Uh, you need to evacuate now. 
Governor Ron DeSantis spoke with President Biden last night. The president says FEMA has deployed 700 people to Florida and up to 7,000 members of the National Guard are being activated. The storm has also forced the House January 6th committee to postpone its latest public hearing this afternoon. No new date has been set. All right, let's get back to markets now, Karen, where the equity sell-off continues. Global stocks are heading for their lowest level in almost two years. The yield on 10-year treasuries breached 4% for the first time since 2008, and the dollar is soaring after the the White House talked down the prospect of a currency agreement to weaken the greenback. White House National Economic Council Director Brian Deese says he does not expect another 1985-type deal among major economies to counter dollar strength. Do you see any possibility of a global accord to kind of adjust uh, currency values the way there was with the Plaza Accord? Or is that just not something you're focused on? I don't anticipate that that's, uh, that that's, that that's where we're headed. White House National Economic Council Director Brian Deese made those comments in an interview on the David Rubenstein Show, peer-to-peer conversations on Bloomberg Television. An aggressive Fed has also fueled the dollar's rally, Nathan. A chorus of central bankers is doubling down on the need to keep raising rates in the face of inflation. San Francisco Fed President Mary Daly says the hikes could have an impact on the labor market. We have to balance that off with our dual mandate with full employment and trying to navigate that to bring inflation down while we do so as gently as possible, not to tip unnecessarily the economy into a a downturn that actually influences the full employment part of our mandate is a struggle. San Francisco Fed President Mary Daly is currently not a voting member on the FOMC. The dollar's recent gains against the euro and the pound accelerated, Karen, after the U.K. announced massive tax cuts last week. Bank of England chief economist Hugh Pill says a significant monetary policy response is needed. In a context where there is a rebalancing of the macro policy environment and an anticipation of looser fiscal policy, I think it's hard not to draw the conclusion that all this will require a significant monetary policy response. BOE's chief economist Hugh Pill says the best time to act is at the institution's next meeting in November. Meanwhile, Nathan, global criticism of the U.K.'s fiscal plan is growing this morning. And let's go to London and get the details from Bloomberg's Ewan Potts. Good morning, Ewan. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. The IMF has delivered a stinging rebuke of the U.K.'s new unfunded tax plans. The International Monetary Fund says the government's package of tax cuts, the biggest in 50 years, are excessive and in need of revision. It says fiscal policy should not work at cross-purposes with monetary policy. Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng meets with top Wall Street bankers in London later today. He'll say up why his UK growth plan is still the right thing to do. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. Are you and thanks. Back in the U.S., the White House may be getting ready to shake up its economic team. According to Axios, officials are preparing for Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen to depart after the midterms. A White House spokesperson says the secretary does not plan to leave. Top economic advisor Brian Deese also says he has no plans to depart. On Capitol Hill, Nathan, House Democrats have released a bill that would restrict stock ownership for high-ranking government officials that includes members of Congress, the President, Vice President, Supreme Court, justices, and their spouses and dependent children. It covers commodities, futures, cryptocurrency, or other digital assets. Public officials would have to put them in a blind trust or divest their holdings. And shares of Biogen are soaring, Karen. They're up 44%. Biogen and its partner, Azai, say their drug significantly slowed Alzheimer's disease, making at the first medicine to blunt progression of the most common dementia in a definitive large-scale trial.
And this update brought to you by BNY Mellon's Pershing. Learn why the world's most sophisticated wealth management and institutional firms rely on Pershing to help them improve profitability, create efficiency, attract talent, and manage risk at Pershing.com. And we are watching these headlines with U.K. bonds surging and the pound rising after the Bank of England said it's going to carry out temporary purchases of long-dated U.K. bonds. And your local headlines are straight ahead. And this is Bloomberg. Karen, thank you. It is 6.07 on Wall Street. We're at 54 degrees in Central Park and still dealing with an accident on the southbound New York State Thruway near the Tappan Zee Bridge. Michael Barr is here with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. There's controversy over a temporary humanitarian relief center being built in the Bronx as more immigrants arrive from Texas. The so-called Tent City in Orchard Beach will be heated and can house up to a 1,000 migrants. Mayor Adams said the tents are supposed to be a temporary stop for migrants as they get on their feet. We want to make sure that we bring people into uh, a safe, clean environment as we process them uh, for a few days to figure out their needs and move them to the right location. But immigrant rights advocates say this is a terrible location far from mass transit or other services the migrants might need. And some residents say they are fearful. New York Mayor Adams talked about his return from Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic in the aftermath of Hurricane Fiona. New York lawmakers are calling for more federal aid to help with recovery for the island. New York City Council Member Oswald Feliz. What's happening in Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic is extremely sad. It's a horrible tragedy. These are communities that have worked for everything that they have. Those small businesses, those homes, they have worked for it. Councilmember Felice says the city of New York will be with Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic every step of the way. Moscow-backed officials declare that all four occupied regions in Ukraine voted in favor of joining Russia. Russia conducted what Ukrainian leader Volodymyr Zelensky called a sham referendum. U.S. Ambassador Linda Thomas-Greenfield. The United States will never recognize any territory Russia attempts to seize or allegedly annex as anything other than part of Ukraine. Ambassador Thomas Greenfield. The U.S. will allow a limited number of refugees in 2023. President Biden said it would welcome up to 125,000 refugees this year and will let in the same number in the next. One of the January 6th rioters who attacked police officer Michael Fanone has been sentenced to more than seven years in prison. Kyle Young of Iowa began crying and begging for forgiveness during his sentencing. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 609 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stashow. Thanks, Nathan. The Yankees opening last night's division clinching celebration in Toronto, the first of many champagne celebrations. They beat the Blue Jays 5-2 to as Glaber Torres had... Three hits, three RBIs, and Jamison Tyone pitched into the eighth inning, got his 14th win for Aaron Judge. A line-out in the first inning and then four straight walks. So still not home run number 61, but a division champ. Yanks 20th in team history. They take advantage of the new format where the top two teams get a first-round bye into the division series in the AL. That'll be the Yanks and Astros. In the NL, Dodgers will be joined by whoever wins the NL East. And right now, that's the flat-footed tie between the Mets and Braves. Atlanta won at Washington. The Mets lost 
at City Field in Miami, six to four. Carlos Carrasco lasted just three innings, gave up four runs. Trevor Williams gave up two or more. Pete Alonso in defeat, a three-run homer, is fortieth. Leads the majors with 131 RBI. Seven games to go, including this weekend three-game series in Atlanta. If the two teams finish in a tie, the Mets will almost certainly win the tiebreaker. The only way Atlanta wins the season series is if they sweep this weekend. And if they do, they'll probably win the division outright. All is well in Brooklyn after a turbulent offseason where Kevin Durant demanded that the Nets trade him unless they fire Coach Steve Nash. Knowing Kevin as long as I have, it didn't really bother me the way maybe everyone would think. Uh, you know, that's a part of being competitive. I, I wasn't like um, overly surprised, and I wasn't even overly concerned. You know, this is something that I thought we would address and in time, and we did. And and here we are, and we're looking forward. I think that's uh, you know, there's something in this that we can all grow from as well. Nash said the Nets are like a family, and all families have issues. John Stash, our Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Okay, John, thanks. S&P futures down 21 points. Staff futures down 108. Nasdaq futures are lower by 112 points. The uh, British pound is trading at 1.0682 against the dollar after the Bank of England announced it will carry out temporary purchases of long-dated gilts uh, starting today to restore orderly market conditions. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather. Sunny today with a high near 70 degrees. Mid-50s tonight. We'll get into the upper 60s with sunshine tomorrow and Friday. Right now, 54 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and the dollar is soaring to another record after the White House talked down the prospect of weakening the currency while the continuing global bond route pushed 10-year Treasury yields to the highest since 2008. U.K. bonds are surging after the Bank of England said it would carry out temporary purchases of long-dated U.K. bonds and delay planned sales of debt. And Asian stocks remain at April 2020 lows while the dollar soared after the White House talked down the prospect of a currency agreement to weaken the greenback. We get more on that with Bloomberg's Juliet Sally. Good morning, Karen. The dollar's rally brought further losses to EMFX, with China's onshore yuan falling to the weakest level against the greenback since the global financial crisis in 2008, and the offshore hitting a record low. The yen remained near the key 145 mark against the dollar and within sight of levels that have drawn intervention from Japan. Australia's 10-year yield reached a three-month high, Japan's benchmark yield untraded after closing at the upper limit of the central bank's target band on Tuesday. Apple's supplies in the region fell after Bloomberg reported the company is backing off from plans to increase production of its new iPhones this year. A lot of them traded on South Korea's Kospi, which fell to July 2020 lows. In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Juliet, thank you. And futures are lower with S&P futures down 13 points, Dow futures down 42, NASDAQ futures down 92. And the 10-year Treasury up 11.30 seconds, yield 3.90%, yield on the two-year 4.16%. And we continue to watch shares of Biogen up more than 43% in early trading after it said its drug significantly slowed Alzheimer's disease. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Hurricane Ian is turning in the Gulf of Mexico and is about 75 miles from Naples, Florida. The National Hurricane Center says Ian has strengthened to a Category 4 storm. Thousands of flights have been canceled. At the United Nations, top diplomats are dismissing the early results of staged referendums in Russian-occupied areas of Ukraine. 
morning. Some Ukrainians say they were forced to vote at gunpoint. North Korea fired a ballistic missile off its eastern coast today. That's according to South Korea's Joint Chiefs of Staff. It comes a day before U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris was set to visit the demilitarized zone dividing the nations. The missile is the second launch by North Korea this week. In baseball, the Yankees clinched the AL East, beating the Blue Jays 5-2. Aaron Judge was walked four times, remains at 60 home runs, one shy of Roger Maris' 61 record. The Mets lost, the Red Sox down the Orioles 13-9 A's, and Nationals lost Giants 1. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts. More than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 620 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. We want to focus now on the auto industry and a big new product release from Ford Motor Company. The automaking giant has unveiled a redesigned F-Series Super Duty truck at Churchill Downs in Louisville, Kentucky. Ford CEO Jim Farley says traditional gas-powered vehicles will be a profit and cash engine that finances the company's electric car ambitions. Jim Farley spoke more about the truck and Ford's long-term strategy with Bloomberg's David Weston. Let's listen into that conversation now. The Super Duty, this new F-Series, it is one big truck. Tell us how it is different from what we've seen before. David, you have more towing, more hauling, you know, more power out of the motors. We have four motor options. But I think the real change here is the technology. It's the first truck to have 5G integrated. We have all sorts of trailer uh, features. You can even set the navigation to a preferred route for for trailers because that navigation would be totally different than our retail customers. So it's really investing in technology. We can now ship software to this truck um, where we haven't before and our competitors haven't, and that's becoming a bigger and bigger issue uh, or opportunity for us. We have the Ford Pro business, and our software sales are growing about 40% a quarter because we can ship software to the car. What about electric vehicles? Is there going to be a version that there's electric vehicles ever? You know, look, we're the, we're the number two electric brand in the U.S. right now, thanks to F-150, uh, a Lightning, and, and many of our other electric vehicles. And so there, there are truck customers who, who find that electric, going electric is interesting. The last customer who would, would probably do that would be a Super Duty customer. As soon as you, you know, most 90% of our Super Duties are, are towing, heavy towing, like 10,000 pounds. And for a battery electric vehicle, it's not, it's not a great vehicle. It's, uh, so you, you wind up sacrificing, um, range a lot, like cut your range in half with towing. So this is, this is not the kind of vehicle that we would use, uh, for electric. We don't think the segment's going electric anytime soon. So when you bring a new vehicle forward, like the Super Duty, do you have to take into account in a way you didn't before the supply chain? I mean, do you actually engineer the product to some extent to anticipate a more resilient supply chain than what you had in the past? It is a great question because there's no more complex. If you're number one in the Super Duty business, it's all about complexity in this business. You know, um, bucket trucks and cabin chassis and 250s, 450s, 650s, a very complex business, different axle ratios, all sorts of different features. So the number one thing we can do to limit that risk is reduce complexity. And we've been driving down complexity as well as going to almost 100% order to delivery. We don't really deliver vehicles off of inventory in the dealers anymore. We ship directly to the customer through the dealers now a specific order so they, they order their own truck. And so we can have visibility of, of the supply chain we need. But the number one leverage in de-risking our supply chain is going to be reducing complexity. 
Jim, what about the financing part of the business? What about Ford Motor Credit? Do you anticipate some hit there? Well, Ford Credit is really important. I'm glad you asked that. Uh, yes, uh, you know, obviously, borrowing costs that are very important to a credit company, uh, so many of our customers finance through Ford Credit. Our borrowing costs are going up a little bit. Not huge, but they are going up. Uh, that costs more money, um, as well as used car values. When, when those used cars trade in, like in a lease, we own those vehicles, we sell them. You know, they're, they're not worth what they were. Uh, we, we, we're very careful on reserves, but, you know, that, that's a reality. So we are seeing headwinds uh, for our finance company. It's not huge right now. We're still at, like, peak profitability for a finance company. But, but they're definitely, the inflation is hitting all of us in all parts of our business. And that was the CEO of Ford Motor Company, Jim Farley, speaking with Bloomberg's David Weston about the newly designed F-Series Super Duty. They spoke at the Churchill Downs Racetrack in Louisville, Kentucky. And you can catch the full conversation online at Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal. Quick check of Ford shares in the pre-market. They are down a half percent. Futures are uh, making a little bit of a turnaround right now. We've got S&P futures up three points. Dow futures up 65 NASDAQ futures are still lower, but well off session lows, down 31 points. The 10-year Treasury is at 3.89%. Stay with us. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunshine, a high near 70 today. We'll get down to the mid-50s tonight. Sunny upper 60s tomorrow and Friday before we get the remnants of Ian. Right now, 54 in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow, and we're just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Time for the five things that you need to know to start your day. Up first, Hurricane Ian is now a dangerous Category 4 storm taking aim at Florida's Gulf Coast and threatening to do serious damage. Bloomberg meteorologist Rob Carolyn is tracking the storm. Rob. Karen and Nathan, the eye of the hurricane, very apparent on the radar out of the Key West area. We can see it working its way north-northeast. It's paralleling the coast of western Florida. At some point today, it'll turn more towards the northeast, and that'll allow it across the coast somewhere north of Fort Myers to as far north as about Tampa. Looks like the storm surge is going to be in excess of 10 feet. We'll be seeing wind gusts probably over 125 miles an hour with the storm and excessive rain of 5 to 10 inches along the path over the next 24 hours. Karen and Nathan? Okay, Rob, thank you. We'll be checking back with you throughout the morning. Ahead of the storm, thousands of flights have been canceled. Disney, SeaWorld, and Universal Orlando have all shut their theme parks through at least tomorrow. And Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is activating 5,000 members of the National Guard. Another 2,000 are coming from out of state. And now to the turbulent markets, Nathan. After being lower all morning, U.S. futures, well, they're still lower, but they're trimming their declines. The Bank of England did announce it would step into the market to buy long-dated government bonds starting today to help restore order to the market. Well, meantime, Karen, the dollar's trading at a record. That's after the White House talked down the prospect of weakening the currency. Earlier, 10-year Treasury yields touched their highest level since 2008, and a slew of hawkish Fed speakers, including Minneapolis President Neil Kashkari, are stoking fears about the economic outlook. 
we are moving very, very aggressively. There's a lot of tightening in the pipeline. We are committed to restoring price stability, but we're also, we also recognize given these lags, there is the risk of overdoing it. Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari says the Federal Reserve is united in getting inflation back to 2%. In corporate news, Nathan Bloomberg News has learned that Apple is backing off plans to increase production of its new iPhones this year. The company had expected a surge in demand, but that hasn't happened. Apple will aim to produce 90 million handsets in the second half of the year, roughly the same level as last year. That's the five things you need to know to start your day. And again, futures, well, they are lower. They had turned higher briefly, but they're lower again. S&P futures down 16 points right now. Dow futures down 77. And NASDAQ futures down 91. They are off their lows of the session, though. Ten-year Treasury is up 11.30 seconds. Yield 3.89%. And the yield in the two-year 4.20%. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. All right, Karen, thank you. It's 633 on Wall Street. We're at 54 degrees in Central Park. we got an accident in Teaneck, eastbound 4 at Decatur Avenue. More coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. There's sharp debate as New York City officials say a humanitarian relief center will be built in the Bronx as more immigrants arrive from Texas. It's being built in Orchard Beach, but some advocates say the shelter's location could create issues. This Orchard Beach resident had some work for the city. And if you want to put something in our community, you need permission from us. The so-called tent city being built can house up to a thousand migrants. New York Mayor Eric Adams discussed his trip to Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic ravaged by Hurricane Fiona. Adams says Puerto Rico has a significant population in the city and what affects Puerto Rico affects New York. This is the international city. This is America's city. People like it or not, this is America's city. Uh, what we do is going to impact what happens across the globe and how people are going to perceive us across the, across the globe. Mayor Adams, Russian leaders declared victory in a series of U.N.-condemned referendums as the Kremlin moved to annex a large chunk of occupied Ukrainian territory. Meanwhile, the White House says Russian men fleeing the military draft are welcome to apply for asylum in the U.S. Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre. We are seeing protests in the streets uh, of Russia. We are seeing people sign petitions. And I think the message that they're sending to us very clearly uh, is that this war that Putin started, this war that was started by the Kremlin, is unpopular. White House spokesperson Karine Jean-Pierre. North Korea fired a ballistic missile off its eastern coast today. South Korea's Joint Chiefs of Staff says it comes a day before U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris was set to visit the demilitarized zone dividing the nations. While on her Asian trip today, Harris reminded Japan, don't let your reliance on China for trade cloud the bigger picture. Harris says the U.S. and Japan is the cornerstone to peace in the region and not cower at China's attempted intimidation of Taiwan. China is undermining key elements of the international rules-based order. China has challenged the freedom of the seas. China has flexed its military and economic might to coerce and intimidate its neighbors. Vice President Harris spoke at the Yokosuka Naval Base outside of Tokyo, where 50,000 American troops are based. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael. Thanks. 
636 on Wall Street. John Stanshower has a Bloomberg Sports Update. All right, Nathan, Mets and Yankees, of course, both heading to the MLB postseason. The Yanks as a division champ, but will the Mets win the NL East? It's the only division still up for grabs. The Cardinals just clinched the NL Central. Mets lost at home to Miami, 6-4. to four. A Pete Alonso three-run homer is 40th. Not enough to overcome a rough start by Carlos Carrasco. Atlanta won 8-2 at Washington. The Mets and Braves have identical records of 97-58, and 58, seven games to go, including a three-game series this weekend in Atlanta. The Yankee division clinching win was 5-2 to two at Toronto. The Red Hot Glaber Torres with three hits, three RBIs to back the pitching of Jamison Tyone. He served up a leadoff homer to George Springer, but he dominated after that. Aaron Judge had only one official at bat. He walked four times. Refuses to chase bad pitches, even as he tries to tie Roger Maris's home run record. Now seven games without a homer. Judge still stuck on 60, but in a good mood as he was sprayed with champagne. What a year it's been so far. Uh, we're definitely not done, but this is a great first step into, you know, the ultimate goal, you know, going out there and winning a World Series. And, you know, getting a chance to, you know, clinch the division with this group of guys, this is, uh, this is definitely something special. Last night on the Yes Network, Sterling Shepard's season is indeed over. Over freak knee injury Monday night on the MetLife turf where he was simply running the pass pattern. Comes just as Shepard made it back from last year's Achilles injury. He was the Giants' top receiver. They were counting on high-priced free agent Kenny Galladay and first-round draft pick Kadarius Tony, But so far, those two have combined for only two catches. John Stashower, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Okay, John, thank you. 637 on Wall Street. Time to take a look at stocks. Some of the names moving in the pre-market. We've pried Bloomberg Radio and TV markets correspondent Kriti Gupta away from watching the UK market this morning to let us know what's going on in the early trade here on Wall Street. What are you looking at, Kriti? Do, you know, do you know how hard that was, Nathan, to I pry bet. my eyes away? It's like watching a, a train wreck. It's, well, it's really It looks okay. like it's having some kind of impact on the futures as well. They've been whipsawing. They are. I think Futures trimming some of their losses here um, off the announcement, which is interesting. Really reacting to the bond market. Uh, perhaps saying there's um, maybe some stimulus on on, on the uh, on the macro front, perhaps coming, or I should say, less hawkishness for for, mm. for that matter. Um, let's go to the U.S. though, because there seems to be perhaps a little bit more semblance of calm. Although I wouldn't call it, I wouldn't go crazy with that phrase <laughs> yeah. either. Uh, Apple shares, AAPL, is what's taking the cake, was taking the spotlight really this morning, down about three and a half percent. This comes after a Bloomberg report, actually a Bloomberg scoop, I should say that the company is likely to ditch its iPhone production boost. Remember, this was going to be their major um, kind of uh, shift forward. They were shifting their production lines from China to India, uh, really amping up what they're going to do for the iPhone 14, as well as creating perhaps a, a more lower-cost version to be able to tackle some of the more emerging markets that really Apple doesn't have the majority of sales in, um, really taking on China uh, full throttle. So that news uh, looks like undermined a little bit here um, with that Bloomer report. And the ripple effect here is going to be all across their supply chain. So Apple shares, AAPL, down 3.4%. But then you have to look at the semis as well. Micron, for example, MU is your ticker, down 1.2%. Qualcomm, not far behind it. QCOM is your ticker, down 1.8% in the morning. And, of course, Skyworks Solutions, also part of the supply chain. SWKS, down about 2%, Nathan. So, once again, a ripple effect. And, of course, the other big corporate story this morning, Creedy, is uh, Biogen and that Alzheimer's drug. That stock's been soaring all morning long. Oh, it absolutely is. A 43% gain, and that's not even where it was at session high. So for BIIB, that's your ticker for Biogen. Uh, to your point, Nathan, it is talking about its biggest gain since its 1991 IPO. That is, of course, if the move actually holds the way it is right now. Analysts saying it's all about the Alzheimer's drug study with their partner, ISI, uh, 
looks like things are going well on, on the Biogen front. And remember, Biogen was actually looking for alternative ways uh, to, to diversify their portfolio. They were actually basically thrown under the bus for a while because uh, of the lack of um, diversity they had in their portfolio. So this is really good news um, that they were finally able to uh, to get a little bit of um, um, success there. I'll yeah. leave you with one more very quickly. Lockheed okay. Martin, LMT, down about 2% this morning. Uh, this comes after it was downgraded to an underweight over at Wells Fargo, taking a little bit more of a cautious view on the defense sector. All right. Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta. We'll let you get back to the U.K. market. Now, it is a very busy early session. And looking at futures this morning, it's busy there as well. They had been lower for much of the morning. Right now, S&P futures are up two points. We'll call it little change. Dow futures up 54. NASDAQ futures still on the decline, but uh, apparently the losses down 32 points for a drop of three-tenths percent. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather. Sunshine today with a high near 70, upper 60s tomorrow and Friday. So nice weather before we get the remnants of Ian this weekend. Right now, 53 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning. U.K. bonds are surging. We go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. And here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. That's right. U.S. futures are lower but spiked off their lows after the Bank of England said it would carry out temporary purchases of long-dated U.K. bonds today. Dow futures now down 20 points. Sesame's drop 8. NASDAQ futures pair losses to 70. The U.S. 10-yield falls to 3.88%. Gold is little change. Oil trading higher. And Bitcoin is also now trading little changed. Hong Kong dropped 3.4% overnight, while European markets are also in the red this morning. And back in the U.S. on the economic front at 8.30 wholesale inventories and at 10 o'clock pending home sales. Regarding earnings, Thor Industries beat estimates and look for paychecks to report in the pre-market. In other news, Apple dropped plans to boost its production of iPhone 14 this year. And in the biotech space, Biogen reported its drug slowed Alzheimer's in a large trial. Those shares are up 44% in the pre-market. Live from the First Breaking News Desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? All right, Bill, thank you. And to hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg type, squawk on your terminal, S-Q-U-A-W-K. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Hurricane Ian is now a Category 4 storm with a maximum sustained winds of 155 miles an hour. As it spins toward Florida, Ian is about 65 miles from Naples. The storm knocked out power to the entire island of Cuba. North Korea fired a ballistic missile off its eastern coast today. The statement from South Korea's Joint Chief of Staff comes a day before U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris was set to visit the demilitarized zone dividing the nations. In baseball, the Yankees clinched the AL East, beating the Blue Jays 5-2. Aaron Judge was walked four times and remains at 60 home runs, one shy of Roger Maris' 61 AL record. The Mets lost. The Red Sox down the Orioles 13-9. The Nationals and A's lost. The Giants won. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg, Karen. 
All right, Michael, thank you. It is 649 on Wall Street, and we turn to news and science and technology now with the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. It's brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, ranked one of the nation's most research-intensive universities by the Carnegie Classification. Learn more at njit.edu slash r1. And here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Wall Street has been hit with more than $2 billion of fines in what's become called the WhatsApp investigation. Regulators reached settlements with a dozen banks for failing to monitor employees' communications on unauthorized messaging apps. Goldman Sachs, Bank of America, and Citigroup were among those penalized. Bloomberg News has learned that Apple is backing off plans to increase production of its new iPhones this year. The company had expected a surge in demand, but that hasn't happened. Apple will aim to produce 90 million handsets in the second half of the year, roughly the same level as last year. Elon Musk has asked a federal appeals court to throw out his so-called Twitter sitter deal. That's the 2018 agreement with the SEC that requires a Tesla lawyer to screen all his company-related tweets. In a court filing, Musk lawyers called the uh, a government-imposed muzzle on Musk's speech. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Nathan. All right, Karen, thank you. We are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. We're at 650 on Wall Street. Time to check what's going on in D.C., where some of the top stories include President Biden speaking with Florida's governor ahead of Hurricane Ian, the Senate moving ahead with funding after Manchin drops an energy provision, House Democrats unveiling a bill to restrict lawmakers' stock trading, and the White House reportedly preparing for changes to its economic team. Let's bring in Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins for all that's happening in the nation's capital. Plenty to talk about here, Emily, starting with how the White House is preparing uh, for what's coming down south. Yeah, so obviously Hurricane Ian is going to be big news for these next couple days. The storm is only gearing up to be worse. It, 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 hit, it hit Cuba. It caused a power outage, and now it's on track uh, to hit Florida pretty hard as a category for a hurricane. Uh, we did see last night President Joe Biden and Ron DeSantis get on the phone and speak about the hurricane and about what assistance uh, Florida might need from the federal government. This, of course, Nathan, is particularly notable because Ron DeSantis is considered a top contender for 2024, especially if former President Donald Trump doesn't run. And he's been a very vocal critic of uh, Biden. But at this point, it does seem like the two are working together. They really realized, of course, that this could be a, a potentially fatal hurricane in some cases. And it's expected to be one of the costliest storms in American history. It could have seen exceed pre- $5 billion and more than 2.5 million people along Florida's Gulf Coast are being asked to evacuate at this time. Uh, so we'll continue monitoring that situation, of course. In the meantime, we want to get the uh, latest on the stopgap spending bill pr- uh, progress here, Emily. Uh, we know that Senator Manchin dropped that energy permitting provision. Uh, what happens next? So we've been saying that, well, well, the next is that we don't head for a government shutdown, hopefully. That was really sort of the big stumbling point that was left, Nathan, was this whether or not this energy permitting would be attached to the bill. Uh, basically, Senator Joe Manchin announced yesterday that he didn't have enough support to move it through. Republicans kind of used it as a bit of payback after Manchin said that he wouldn't work uh, with Biden on a larger uh, of reconciliation bill, which, of course, then they wound up coming out with and passing. 
Um, and a number of Democrats were concerned that this would help uh, get fossil fuel projects off the ground. They didn't want that either. So a lot of opposition to Manchin's bill. Uh, yesterday, he told Schumer to pull it. And the Senate has started to move forward with procedural votes on a package to fund the government through December 16th. Uh, the Senate will be taking more votes today. They could do final passage in the Senate uh, potentially today, potentially Thursday. And then the House will be ready either on Thursday or Friday to take up that bill. Deadline, of course, is Friday at midnight. That's when they need to fund the government or else there will be a shutdown. And elsewhere in uh, Capitol Hill, Emily, House Democrats have unveiled a stock trading ban for themselves and a lot of other high-ranking government officials. Yeah, we knew that this was coming for a while, Nathan. It's been discussed. There have been multiple bills floating out there. Uh, but this is one that's taken a number of those bills, tied them together, and, and could potentially be the vehicle that this gets passed. However, uh, they're not out of the woods yet. There's still a lot of concerns about the legislation, about the penalties in the legislation. But the overall view is that it would require uh, lawmakers, uh, as well as their spouses and dependent children, uh, to prohibit them from trading stocks, uh, divest from current holdings, or put their current holdings in a blind trust. Uh, it would also tighten disclosure requirements, and if you violate the law, uh, the penalty would be increased. Uh, at this point, Nathan, it doesn't seem very likely that this will get to Biden's desk before the midterms. Um, it's a huge question mark as to whether the House will even vote on it before the end of this week, which is the last week that they're here until the November elections. So we could see potential movement on this a little bit later um, in the, that so-called lean duck period between the end of the election and the start of the the new Congress. Um, but at this point, we are seeing some progress. Uh, but unlike the uh, the continuing resolution, there's no guarantee that we're actually going to see passage here. And speaking of the midterm elections, Emily, what are these reports about uh, potentially deck chairs shifting with the White House economic team after the midterms? So I feel like, Nathan, the midterms is always a good time for those who are in the executive office to take stock, decide whether or not they want to stay on or get off. Uh, certainly, you don't want to be jumping ship uh, very close to an election, especially a presidential election. So, you know, we are hearing reports, uh, particularly from Axios, the White House officials are preparing for the potential departure of Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen after the midterms. Uh, but at this point, there's no guarantee that Yellen will be leaving uh, her position or any cabinet secretaries. Uh, a lot of it is going to depend what the November's election looks like, how much power Democrats are still going to have in Washington. At this point, Democrats are expected to lose the House, uh, but there is some hope that they could potentially find a way through to, to keep control of both chambers. Uh, they're a little more likely to keep the Senate, but even that's not a guarantee. So Biden could be working with a, a potentially very difficult uh, Congress next year that would allow very few things to get done, and that might wind up causing some individuals uh, like Levin to head for the door. In our last minute here, Emily, we've got a White House conference on hunger coming up later today. What's going to be announced there? So the big announcement is $8 billion in hunger uh, and nutrition commitments. Uh, these are going to be various things uh, that are meant to really sort of target places in the U.S. where there's either food insecurity 
um, or food deserts where there just isn't the amount of, of fruits and vegetables needed for, for healthy living for individuals. Uh, this is one of the first times in, in decades that the White House is holding an event like this, a, a food and hunger summit. The last one was more than 50 years ago. And the idea is to really continue to push the idea that there are folks um, in America who remain hungry, even despite the fact that, that we have as much wealth as we do in our nation, and really trying to get there and address that. So expect a lot more uh, it, announcements to be made from that. You're seeing a lot of companies join in and making their own commitments uh, in line with this summit. Um, and yeah, we're definitely expecting to, to hear some more details uh, as the day goes on. Thanks, as always. Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins with us from the nation's capital. Read more about these stories on Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal. Follow all the latest on Bloomberg Radio in Washington, Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. S&P futures uh, trimming their declines now down eight points. Dow futures down 13. NASDAQ futures down 71. The 10-year Treasury is up 630 seconds now, yield 3.92%. Bloomberg surveillance is next. For Karen Moscow, I'm Nathan Hager, and this is Bloomberg. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.